Blog Talk Radio. All day, 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 this shit ain't it, shopping for the winner and it's just me, ball so hard, man, it's just crazy, nigga, you ain't getting money that you got eight figures, but it's just a piece, man, I've been saying, nigga, just thought the fair con, that's sensei, nigga, told him I've been on tears since the 10th grade, nigga, got a middle finger longer than the Kim, baby, nigga, uh, Oh, man, I just did that on mute. That's embarrassing. (laughs) All right, so just to fill you guys in, this is my first uh, podcast in a long time, and I'm using Blog Talk. Um, I've been doing this radio show for a class at VCU, and uh, obviously we have like a full switchboard, so I've gotten kind of spoiled. So just for that brief three, four minutes of silence, uh, that was actually me talking to myself, so I apologize. We got our first caller for the night. 703-376, 703-376, who am I talking to? Uh, it's Corey on the line. Oh, what up, Corey? Don't ask no questions about the two numbers, man. You just let it, let it go. <laughs> I ain't going to ask no questions, man. You guys speak your safe with me. Hey, man, um, I'm glad I got you on because we can go ahead and get this baseball talk started. I know some people probably don't want to hear about it, but you are one of the rare Blue Jays fans. Give me your thoughts on last night's game. Um, honestly, man, I've, after watching that game, I, I'm glad that we played them in a wild card game because we would lose to them in a series. I have no doubts about it. Um, we really, I mean, we did outplay them, to be honest, but at the same time, I don't really think we had much business winning that game. Um, they played pretty poorly. We didn't execute well. Um, they had a few key errors that really led to all of the runs. So, uh, I would call that born play in the corner that gets us a man on second and third with one out. I'd definitely say that's a play he makes 85% of the time. And then mm-hmm. if that guy doesn't bobble that ball right there, you got a man on first and second with one out. And, I mean, to, I mean, you baldy would have probably served it up anyway, but first and second and one out is completely different than first and third, one out, in the bottom of the 11th and tie game. Who knows, maybe even the dummy. Buck uh, actually pulls the trigger and brings Britain in if it's first and second with one out. So um, they had some really timely mistakes that kind of saved us, to be honest. So those are my overall thoughts. I don't know how our bullpen lasted the way it did. That's the sheer miracle. Uh, Maybe some adrenaline. I don't know. But Baltimore was swinging wildly. And ultimately, I think the ump strike zone played a lot more into our favor than it did theirs because our pitchers aren't the best when it comes to walking people, especially the bullpen. Yeah, I um I was in class for the uh, early part of the game and I was following it on um on the app and I I was just la- I kept laughing at myself because I know my teacher is a baseball fan so I think he knew what I was doing <laughs> but he didn't want to say anything because he wanted updates so every time like the inning went in I hold up a finger or something letting them know who scored or what so we kind of had this like eye contact thing going on uh, like we were doing signs on the base pass but um I. I don't know what to make of the Blue Jays, man. I mean, their their lineup should score like the Red Sox to me. Even though they don't have the batting averages to show, um, they, they can hit the ball, you know? So it baffles me that they, they struggle. And it didn't look like Tillman had his best stuff out there. So I'm surprised that they didn't get more runs. And just this tendency 
to hit into double plays this year has been killing them. Ugh. Killing them. Well, but, like, the, yeah, I mean, the average isn't there, but, I mean, we're still getting on base as much as any team, and we're still knocking the ball out of the park in the top three rate. Honestly, you hit it on the head. I think we back 240 with runners in or 230 with runners in scoring position, and that's mm-hmm. what it is. A team that's known for their timely clutch hitting has been the exact opposite this year. Because if you look at the numbers of, of, I mean, besides bats, if you just go down and look at the numbers, I mean, that's what they were last year. It's not like anyone's crazily slumping. Um, it's just the timely hits aren't there. But they were last night. I will give them that. They were there last night. Yeah, and usually when you see guys that can't hit with runners in scoring position, it's, it's no surprise that they usually don't win. So, um, like like you said, it, it's got to be something because obviously they're in the playoffs. And then, you know, last night they did what they did when they needed to. Um, what do you think about the whole uh, Buck Showalter's decision-making? I mean, that's that's really the talk of the game. Um, like, it, it, was so, it was so bad and controversial that nobody's even really talking about the fact that a fan threw uh, a full <laughs> Red Bull at, at, a, at a player, um, which is a motion that you don't normally see in baseball. Uh, you would expect that from from some other heathen sport like soccer, but um, what what are your thoughts on Showalter, man? Like, should he pull the trigger? Did he do the right thing? Did he wait too long? Did he gamble and it just didn't pay off? Like, as a, as an opposing fan, how do you feel? I mean, we were following the game thread, and every time that Britain wasn't on the mound for the bottom of the inning, I was just laughing. It was hysterical to me that he would keep coming out. With people that that weren't wasn't Zach. Like we're talking about a dude, and this is what what baffled me the most when I saw this. I could get, I get, I honestly, I get probably everything up to leaving him on with first and third, with one out. Like I think you can reasonably justify everything about that. The way that Lariano's pitching, if you don't think Britain can get you more than one or two innings. That Lariano had just shut them down. You think, okay, we're probably going to need a starting pitcher to go a little deeper than this um, because this might be a 13-inning thing. I'm going to save Britain um, for a little bit more. But once, honestly, once that first hit happens, like Josh Donaldson is, is one of the best hitters in the game. Once Travis gets on base, I'm pull, the, pull the trigger. Just get him out. Um, but especially first and third with E5 there, not only do you pitch to E5, that's the first mistake. How do you pitch to that man? You just walked him in the exact same situation two innings ago, and it was successful. Like, how do you pitch to him, and how do you not bring a dude in who's been in this situation eight times in his career, first and third, he's been in that situation with one out eight times in his career, including against the Blue Jays once, and he has four strikeouts and four double plays in those eight times for zero runs. Like, how do you leave that on the bench against one of the most dangerous hitters in baseball and leave in a guy who's literally lobbing softballs up there and everyone's crushing. So I, I don't know, man. I, I, I can't fathom it. And he would be getting killed if he wasn't such a veteran, um, such a veteran manager. If, he, if, he, if this was a third, fourth-year guy, a guy that didn't have much respect um, just within the community, he would be getting destroyed. People are trying to have kitty gloves and, like, it's not all his fault. It's a bad decision. But he's made not. Nah, that was horrid. I get everyone. I get Bratch. I get. I even get a little bit of O'Day, but that eleventh was just terrible. Yeah, I, I'm under the same impression, man. Like that just can't happen. It just cannot happen. You know, I was rooting for the Blue Jays um, a little, and and I just want to see a good game. And I think that's something that a lot of people overlook uh, with with my the Gen ways and and just overall like energy that I bring to a lot of conversation. Ultimately, I don't care what sport I'm watching. I want it to be competitive. I want it to be played right. I hate to see uh, strategic mistakes and what, what I consider to be fundamental strategic mistakes. Like, you just cannot leave a pitcher of that caliber on the bench, man. There's, like, if you lose that game, if, if you pitch him in the ninth or 10th, or like, like the uh, Blue Jays did, they left Ozuna out. Uh, for two innings, and he ended up getting hurt and, and coming off. But the fact that he showed his face and participated, if the Blue Jays had a loss, it would have it would have 
pretty much gave Givens a pass because people would have been like, well, you know, it wasn't much else he could do. But now you have this situation where you got Britain and you don't bring him out, and that's all everybody wants to talk about. That's all they want to talk about is why did you not pitch him? And honestly, there's just no excuse. There's just no excuse. Baseball is all about numbers. It is a numbers game. It is the most diagnosed sport statistically than any other sport that goes on. Even if you don't consider it a sport, statistically, the only thing probably diagnosed more closely is like Wall Street or or finances. But with baseball, there's just nothing that you can really excuse in these situations when you've got a guy who's got a sub-1 ERA and that much success against the Blue Jays without pitching him. You can't be like, oh, well, the numbers said Ubaldo, he he pitched well in September. No, I don't want to hear that. Because if you looked at Ubaldo's numbers in September, got the numbers on Britain through his whole freaking season. He's up for Cy Young as the closer. That's incredible. I was about That's to say, incredible. numbers, numbers, yeah. there ain't a person ever that has numbers better than Zach Britton. He has a point six ERA. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Giving up and, one and run this, since, and like, that April. Was, yeah, and that was the excuse, and that was the excuse, and that like when he said that, it it just made me angry because people will eat that up, the media eat that up, but the baseball minds know, man. We all know. Like Gary Sheffield tried his hardest to defend him after the show on TBS, and I wish he had been on MLB Network because Harold Reynolds and them would have ripped him a new one. Don't nobody want to hear about rules and 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 strategy playing it safe when it's essentially a game seven. You put your best pitchers out there. They still had Bundy to uh, be a long reliever just in case. So you could have you could have let you could have let Britain come in and then use Bundy. Ubaldo should have been the last resort. The guy uh, on TBS was joking about it. He was like, oh, "I would have put an outfielder out there before I put Ubaldo," and that's true in that situation. And it irks me to see people watch watch these games as, as managers and coaches, and they can't pick up on what I consider to be blatant, like, tendencies and stuff. Like, if I'm watching I'm watching uh, Syndergaard right now, watching Thor, he looks smooth. He looks relaxed. He's not struggling Fresh. to get the strikes over the plate. It's going to be a good game for him, you know? I can see that at home. If you're in that, if you're in that bullpen or if you're in that dugout, if you're Terry Collins, you should be able to pick up on that, right? Ubaldo came out there last night. They took the mitt right in the middle of the Thor strike. That thing almost took my man's chin off. Right there is a key indicator. He ain't got his stuff going right now. He's wild. The second pitch missed high. The third pitch got smacked. And and you can see it was a good hit. By the time the outfielder got to the ball, it had already fell down. That's a good, solid connection. Now we got Josh Donaldson up. He hangs another one. You don't get it hit out. You actually get saved. It would have been a playable ball, uh, probably just a, a single. But the guy bobbles it, and you got runners on first and third. You're still in the clear, though. You still got a chance, you know? And that's ultimately what you want to do. You want to give yourself a chance. I would have been okay with them not even walking uh, E5 if they had brought Britain out. Even though I don't necessarily agree, I would have, I personally would think that playing at home – in that situation would be a lot easier than asking your infield to come in and stop this dude's whatever he hits because it's going to be hard. But you leave Ubaldo out there to pitch. And it and it just it just bothered me because I don't even think I had enough time to say what the hell before the ball was out. No, we didn't. We didn't. We it didn't. We really didn't. We couldn't. It was we didn't literally even get enough the first to get pitch. over the fact he was still in. We didn't get over yeah. he was still in before it was out. <laughs> Yeah, and that and that that tells you like the batters obviously know and and I mean you know the game within the game of baseball unless you're a player a lot of times you don't really pick up on that but there's always a strategy always a strategy there's a reason for every single thing. Travis took those first couple pitches to give Donaldson the chance to see what was going on. Donaldson's watching and Carnacion is watching. They see that he's off. You don't think a dude with 127 RBIs didn't go up there thinking, I'm about to end this right now. First pitch. Yep. And and they called timeout. They called timeout. And I was like, okay, <laughs> what is timeout? Talk to do right? No. So 
I want to know what the hell you talked about when you went out there. Yeah, I do want to know what the conversation was. There was no confidence in anybody's face on that dugout. Not even Ubaldo. Mm -hmm. Nobody Manny was looking the other way. Yeah. The still picture shows Manny not even paying attention to the conversation. Like, he just knows this is a bad (laughs) idea. And the, the, the greatness of the whole the whole moment was summed up when you balled up through that pitch. I, I wish I could have like made a um, a slow motion uh, gif out of it. When he threw that pitch, Weeders literally put his glove down. But he didn't even want to catch it. He just knew. Like his body language on that was just awesome. Like he knew when the ball connected to the bat, he was already looking towards the dugout, ready to walk away. Like there's just no a no doubter. And and it just bothers me, man. Like I said, ultimately, I want to see ball. I don't care if it's baseball, soccer, tennis, golf, whatever. I just want it to be played correctly, man. Play correctly and play competitively, you know? No stupid stuff. And you're professional, man. This is the highest of the high. My coach would have went out there and told me what he had for breakfast and then I hand me the ball. He would have never let me pitch. He would have never. And literally, we're talking I mean, literally, man. Honestly, I think. I think he got too cute, man, honestly, because he, he was trying to play the numbers at first. I know, like, um, when Odea came in, for instance, that, that five through or that six through eight that was giving them trouble, um, Odea had been like – they'd been like 0 for 20 against Odea or something. So he, he was trying to play the numbers, and it was working so well for him. He got so confident and, like, playing around that he got too cute, and he tried to win the game. That's the problem. I think he's like, all right, I'm going to outmanage Gibbons, and I'm going to win this game. And he tried to make all his moves the decision, and ultimately he just, I mean, I, I still can't get the first and third, even if you bring him in. First and third, like, how is – and he's hanging everything. How is he getting anyone everything. into double play? Nothing has been nothing has been low. How is he hitting anybody into a double play? Like, even if, even if the Donaldson or um, – Travis, how hard they hit the balls, that's a, that's a run. Like, and you don't think E5's getting it out there? It's unexcusable, really. Like, you could have done when, nothing and done worse. When I was a kid, man, my, uh, my coach used to always uh, tell us at the plate, sit fastball, look curve. What that means is expect the fastball, but don't be surprised by the curveball when it comes, you know? There should be some level of anticipation. Yeah. And he would always he would always tell us, you know, that's a life lesson. You know, take that everywhere you go. It's a life lesson. And I've applied it to certain aspects of my life. I won't say on air, but it's worked for me. <laughs> so, so one lesson I want everybody to take with them before we go on this quick break. Never, ever hang a pitch to a power hitter. <laughs> never. I don't care what you do. Never. If you if you going in for an interview, don't you come in there with no weak stuff. Don't you come in there with no weak stuff. Anybody that's a straight shooter, don't you don't you hang it. They will hit it out, man. Don't give them the opportunity. Let it go, man. That's real. God, that's I, real. I have no words, man. I'm, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna take this break and then switch topics because I feel like I got like a, another forty minute rant in me, but we don't have that much time. So I've got a throwback theme today for the music. Um, Obviously, every time I want something to work, it doesn't really work. So I got a couple songs, but we're only going to play one. Um, Corey, you can take a break if you want and come back. But um, I'm going to run with the Fat Boys. Uh, it's a four-minute, 26-second song, so you got about four minutes. All right? So anybody that's listening, we'll be back in four minutes. Fat Boys are back. And you know they can never be whacked. The fat boys are bad. Could you? 
Appreciate y'all bearing with me, man. I'm, I'm in the old school feel, man. I don't know why. I, I listen to um, classic hip hop on my uh, iTunes when I'm driving to work. So it put me in the mood today. So I was like, I'm just going to download some songs and add it to the show. Uh, Corey, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here, my man. All right, cool. Because the next thing I want to talk about, because we just talked about the Blue Jays game, and uh, some of you guys heard me sound off on Showalter, and then you heard. Uh, Corey's perspective as a Blue Jay fan. Um, now we're going to get into something that's been bothering me for like the last two months. So Tiger Woods is coming back, right? And he's been in the news in the last week or so. We had Josh Gordon come back for football. We've had um, we've had guys come back uh, for baseball and, and just comebacks in general. Why do people assume that somebody can take off from a professional sport for an extended period of time and return in prime form. Why, Corey? Why do they do that? Because it's still entertainment, and and most people aren't really logical when it comes to sports. And the only thing America loves more than tearing down a hero is bringing them back up when they fall. But little do they know, rarely do they ever make it back up, if ever. Everybody loves rebuilding. Everybody loves a stray dog. Everybody wants to root for the underdog, you know. So um, nothing better than an underdog that fell from the top. Uh, Why do they assume? With Tiger, I'm not sure why anybody possibly could think Tiger will ever be good at golf again. I don't get that. Um, Josh Gordon, people think he could be good because every time he actually is on a football field, he's pretty good. So I at least get where that comes from. But Tiger, no. And and Josh Gordon uh, thinking he's never going to get in trouble again, no. <laughs> yeah, that that really blew me. Um, but like Tiger was um, was named President Cup Assistant Captain, 
Steve Strickland was like, oh, he certainly could play his way onto the team. I'm like, dude, you guys are just using him for his name again. Like, just just say it. Like, he's a figurehead. Like, Tiger Woods is, is a figurehead. Like, he's the only reason why I've ever watched the golf match until this year. Um, and he's the only reason why a lot of minorities tuned in the golf, you know? Um, it just bothers me that they just won't call it what it is, man. Like, they've even got a betting prop for Tiger Woods to, to finish ahead of Phil Mickelson uh, in this, what? I think, the Safeway tournament or something. Yeah, I'm like, what? The guy hasn't swung a club in, like, five years. And he hasn't done it pain-free in, like, five years. So I feel like should have him to come out maybe throw his back out. Who knows? I was about to say, but they should have a betting prop on whether he actually finishes it or gets scratched. They, they have that, too. They have that, too. Nope. There's a, they should have that a stroke sure. prop. There's a prop whether or not he'll finish. There's a prop whether or not he'll make the cut and the prop of whether or not um, he'll finish a, a hit of Mickelson. But, I mean, I, I understand the feel-good stories. I really do, but it's just getting ridiculous now. Like, I used to think that ESPN would just do that just to get people to, like, click on their articles and stuff like that. But, no, people legit believe these things. People really thought Josh Gordon was going to come back and and just ball out. I expected Josh Gordon to come back, play a game, pull his hamstring, and be out for three weeks because he doesn't have a good work ethic. Like, how do you expect this man to be in shape? And he can't even stay off the off marijuana, man. That's not even – I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to go there because somebody's going to listen and get offended. But honestly, I'm going to say this without giving too much information on on people in my family and stuff. I know people who've done hard drugs, and, and I've spent some time in communities and, and done some, some work when I was in school and everything, uh, you know, with people who have drug addictions. If you are listening and you are addicted to weed or if you know somebody addicted to weed, you are a loser you're a loser dog that's not a drug that you 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 should be getting addicted to it's not a drug that honestly should be addictive like how how can you not how can you not put down the weed how can you not call an uber because he's got a dui problem too right like i think think he's got a little bit of everything my man you know you know what you can't fix bad decision making you can't cure that so that's his problem. It's never been anything but bad decisions. Like people say, poor Josh, or he got a bad, a bad rep. Like man, no, he did that to himself, yo. Like, no, I feel sorry for Johnny Manziel. He's got real demons. <laughs> Josh Gordon doesn't have real demons, man. He just, he's he's the passenger in the car. That honestly, if he just kept his mouth shut, he wouldn't get in trouble. Uh, but he probably got real demons. I think Josh got real demons too. He just didn't have the money to. Uh, when he was growing up to exercise those demons the same way as Johnny. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think they, their demons probably equal. Nichols just chose a little weed while Johnny chose the stuff he had the money for access to. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it had me crying laughing, man. I was like, nah, yeah, there's just no way this guy's gonna survive the, the season. But um what we do have, though, and we'll stay on the NFL topic, what we do have is some surprises in the NFL. Obviously, it's just four weeks. But there's at least two teams off the top of my head that have as, as many wins now as I expected them to have all season. And I'll go ahead and say the Philadelphia Eagles and the Atlanta Falcons. Now, I didn't have high hopes for the Atlanta Falcons because I thought that the Buccaneers and the Panthers would start out a little bit better than what they have. And I just didn't think that the uh, the Falcons had addressed any of their off-season issues um, like they should have. And then the Eagles, I just, I mean, I just didn't know what to expect, so I just went with the worst-case scenario. Um, but I am a big Carson Wentz fan, as I pretty much told everybody back in March. Um, I loved everything I saw about him on film when I did it, uh, the dissection. And I will say that I'm not surprised that he's playing so well, but I am surprised at the level of poise that he's shown so far. I, I thought that would be the hardest part of the adjustment. And and we talk about this in our normal everyday talk. You would assume in a small school, you would have trouble adjusting to the NFL and the complexity of calling plays, recognizing defenses at the line of scrimmage, et cetera, et cetera. Like the, the game within the game that a lot of people, apparently don't understand, 
but it's complex. Not everybody up there is Peyton Manning making the right audible. But for him to pick that up, man, so quickly, it's scary. It's scary. And I know the one knock that I've seen a couple of people talking about is the distance that he passes the ball, but the system that they're using is is very uh, comfortable to him. It's, it's very reminiscent of what they did at uh, North Dakota State, and it's also got a little bit of flair of what Chip Kelly probably would have done if he'd have stayed. So um, what are your thoughts on the Falcons and the Eagles? Well, this is what at first I would say about the Falcons. Um, they, through four weeks, have a worse record this year than they had last year. So I'm going to caution everyone to just relax on that one. Um, they haven't addressed any of those needs you said because they're giving up like 30 points a game. So, no, yeah. they haven't addressed those needs at all. So I would caution everyone to take that wait-and-see approach to the Falcons. They are not going to score 40 points a game. They played some of the worst defenses. Like Oakland and New Orleans are not NFL defenses. So they got, they got at Denver, at Seattle – coming up back-to-back weeks. Let's, let's talk about them after that. Because um, I, I, they may win that division if Carolina really sucks, but they're not a good football team in my opinion. So I, don't, I think that's very much fool's goal. Um, Philly, on the other hand, is different. I think um, Philly is, is kind of reminiscing a little bit of, of what – Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger that first year reminded me of. Their defense is very, very underrated. Um, Wentz is very accurate and has good decision making is what I'd say. I, I mean, I, he's not, they're not making him throw through a bunch of tight windows, which I just give Peterson a ton of props for that. Um, I, I think he, he learned some of that from Andy Reid a little bit with just the system that they're running, but he's not, he's not having to make throws that are, are through tight windows. He's not having to make throws that are anticipating back towards the middle of the field where safety would be. And, and that's how you should bring a rookie quarterback along. Everyone got so mad when some of these rookie quarterbacks that are more running based or running zone reads and things of that nature, when really all the, the, all the coaches are trying to do, which I think you should do with a rookie quarterback is make the decisions easier for them and, go ahead and make sure that that's something they're comfortable with. That's what everyone should be doing to rookie quarterback. And I think it's really important that they're giving him the freedom to check at the line too because he's comfortable with it. They didn't say, oh, no, you're a rookie. No. They gave him – he has packaged plays a little bit. Some of them are packaged, and he can switch out of them. He can make an audible, and he can make the read that he's comfortable with. And they're making – spreading the defense out and running so many multiple formations and even doing a little speed up to the point where it's hard for defenses to even disguise coverages to the point where it's confusing him. So um, I think it's, I think they've done an excellent job with him and I think he's really, really good. Um, so those are two things. And I'm shocked. I'm shocked that he has this um, big of a handle on the offense that quickly uh, because he didn't, it's not like he even started all three years at, in college at a small school. Like, he's only, he only played a couple of years there. So the fact that he's, he's this far ahead of the, the curve is, is impressive. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the way that they're doing it, the way that, you know, that this, what I call it, the uh, slow and steady uh, method is perfect. Um, Big Ben came in that way. I think all they asked him to do was dump it off or hand it to Jerome Bettis. And they went, what, 15-1, and one, I think, his first season? Or something like that. Um, I have to go back and look, but either way, it wasn't it wasn't like they were asking him to do too much. And I and I feel like a lot of people do ask rookies to do too much. So um, that speaks volume to that coaching staff that they seem to understand their team and how to max, maximize all their abilities. Because separately, they're not that great on paper. Um, I think the defensive front is good. Um, but the linebackers, corners, et cetera, et cetera, nothing really actually stands out like, oh, man, they've got the number one corner or uh, pro football focus rates them this high at this position. Like, that that doesn't necessarily stand out with the Eagles. But when you put them together and you see how the offense is running, how the defense is working together, and it looks great. It looks great. And they've had the luxury of having a schedule – 
that introduces a new challenge each week. So it's, it's getting harder and harder as they go through the schedule. And each week so far, the first three games, they've shown that they've been up for the task. They whipped the Steelers. Whipped the Steelers, man. Like, they didn't have any clue. And the only reason why I won't read into that too much is that the Steelers seem prone to always look clueless one out of the first four games. So I'll give them a pass on that. But I like everything I see out of Wentz. Um, I want to commend the coaching staff of the Eagles, whom I really didn't have high hopes for, um, and apologize to, to my man Jim Schwartz. Like, I know who you are. I know you're a good defensive coordinator. So that was my bad for even assuming that you wouldn't get something out of these guys. So um, it looks good. It looks good. And, and I hope that – pray <laughs> that they uh, save us from the Cowboys and Redskins talk of the division um, because Lord. I'm just I'm just sick of it. I'm just sick of it. I'm sorry if you're listening. I'm, I'm not talking bad about your team, but I'm just – just tired of you guys. I really am. Um, the Giants kind of annoy me too. And I think what I've seen out of the Eagles, um, I like because they've been consistent the first three games. You don't have consistency with the other three teams, except for maybe the Cowboys, which, I mean, we can talk about that. Dak Prescott, he's a, he's a good rookie. Um, and they're bringing him along slowly as well. But I have a great about how they're doing it. I swear they're they're holding them back a little uh, in regards to red zone, red zone play. There's just no reason they shouldn't put up more touchdowns than what they do, especially with him having the ability to run. That kind of puts the defense on their heels. But they don't seem to have any element of surprise when they get into the red zone. It looks exactly as if Tony Romo was quarterback with the same thing they would do. So um, what are your yeah. thoughts on uh, Dak Prescott and how they handle that? Well, I'm going to give him a little bit of benefit of doubt. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just making an assumption of what I would do in that situation. I'm surely not accusing Jason Garrett of being smart or forward-thinking of anything. <laughs> but they're certainly not in a position to be using Dak Prescott like Cam Newton and have Mark Sanchez have to take the field. So I think mm-hmm. they're just kind of hopefully they have some of those plays in their handle, and they're just not willing to do that week four. Because um, if he takes a big hit, the same Cowboys season. So I, I think it's more of that um, than lack of creativity, but I could be very wrong. It is Jason Garrett after all. Um, so, I mean, I, I I don't think they're holding him back per se. I think he's doing what he's comfortable with. I mean, he takes his shots. It's not as though he doesn't take his shots, but, I mean, the Cowboys have never been that creative in red zone. I mean, it's it doesn't seem like he has a great touch on the, on the jump ball and the uh, fade to dead. And that's kind of what the Cowboys offense is, is use that offensive line. If you get one-on-one coverage out there with that, throw it up the dead in the red zone. So, um, and when you take that away, and it doesn't seem like he's really really that good at that fade pattern yet, which would make sense, especially from the especially if he's doing it from the eye formation, which he's not comfortable with, um, then you're just one-dimensional on that because it's not as though the Cowboys use a bunch of complex, convoluted combination routes or anything of that nature with corners and things of that. So um, I, I definitely get your gripe. I, it is vanilla. They don't score enough in the red zone. I mean, it's basically offensive line and Zeke or nothing. Um, but at the same time, I don't think they can be out there running QB powers and, and zone reads with Tony Romo on the shelf still and um, that kind of cooking the way he is. So I give him a little bit of a pass for the not running and thing. So it's week week four. I think with the Cowboys three and one. They three and one? They lost to the Giants. Yeah. Um it's it's gonna come up. Tony Romo is gonna get healthy eventually. Um if you listen to Jerry Jones, he's probably ready in week two, but they just didn't want to rush it. Um how do you handle that situation if you're Jerry Jones? Or we're we're assuming Jerry Jones is still the general manager, owner, play caller, whatever it is that he's doing. How do you handle the situation Jerry. when when Tony Romo's healthy when he comes back? Would he play for you? Um I would never say so here's what I would do. They've got he's not coming back after the bye if I'm them, unless they lose the next two games. So if 
I would wait probably till about I'm saying Romo's not healthy for a long time, first and foremost. It just doesn't look right in Packers. You hear a lot of what you're hearing from Chip Kelly if I'm if I'm the, the coach and Jerry in this position. Romo's not healthy. He just don't look right in practice. We don't want to get him re-injured. He's still a guy. He's still a part of the team. When he's right, he'll compete for number one. I'm saying all that until I have to. So, I mean, I, I just think you say he's not ready. You keep that mindset. Um, and then when you need him, you bring him in. I mean, but I'm not taking – I'm definitely not taking back out um, until I see something um, – where it's okay, he's not ready for this level of competition. Do I think they can win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott? I think they have zero shot to win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott this year. But at the same time, it's like if you've got that young core and the window's not closing, why not set yourself up for the next three to five years? Um, Do they have a shot to win a Super Bowl with a healthy Tony Romo? Outside shot, in my opinion. Um, So if I can put in the guy that I know – is a top five quarterback healthy, top seven quarterback healthy, I'm going to do that. Uh, but at the same time, it's what's the point? I mean, at the end of the day, he's, he's getting hurt again, and you're going to have to put Dak back in. So I would elongate it as long as possible. And then once I see that, okay, Dak went into Pittsburgh, Dak went into Minnesota, Dak went on the road in New York, and he's looking terrible in some of those games and against a tougher schedule, than we've played because they played their three wins, let's be honest. Bears with no cutler, skins, niners. I mean let's <laughs> let's, let's let's slow down. Um so I think it's a little early to make that decision. Um I'm watching these next two games closely, Cincy then at Green Bay, and I'm making a decision from there. But ultimately I think you can just say Romo's not healthy. And I think you can keep elongating that and stringing that out till it's not even a conversation or yeah, we're putting them back in. Yeah, it's just going to be a weird situation because Tony Romo has survived a lot in in Dallas, and and I know I know it's a business, and, and you know me of all people, I definitely know how cruel the NFL can be because I I actively seek out those stories when I'm looking at stuff, but I just feel like Jerry genuinely cares about Tony Romo. Like he's done a lot for Jerry Jones. He stuck. He's stuck by that Cowboys organization, and and the Cowboys have stuck by them. So it's it's a a mutually beneficial relationship for so long. It would just be strange to me to see them have something like a rift, you know. Um, but he's a veteran still, and he still thinks he can play. So how long do you think he's going to accept the whole PC? way of telling him that, you know, we're kind of, we kind of want to see what this kid has. Like this situation seems worse than the Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick situation that we saw with a uh, Harbaugh and the hand, because honestly, Alex Smith hadn't done anything um, up and, you know, he hadn't done that much for the organization. So switching to Colin Kaepernick wasn't necessarily that big of a deal to the public. I mean, he had a good run. Alex Smith did for what a season and a half, you know, but you could still justify it by saying that, hey, this kid's more athletic um, and he gives us a better shot at winning. And we've already seen what Alex can do. But, you know, that was two years of the 10-year career. Let's let's make this transition. Romo's actually been statistically not that bad. Uh, he, he puts up yards. He gets touchdowns. Um, and he's, he's, I don't want to say a leader, but you know, he, he runs the offense and they don't necessarily have Dak running the offense. So when we're, when you were talking about, you know, the Redskins, 49ers and, and those borderline sorry teams that, that they've beat so far, the Cowboys, the more they win, they're going to have playoff aspirations. And then it's going to become a question of can Dak Prescott do something when he gets to the playoffs, you know? We've already seen what Tony Romo can do, and, and if Tony Romo has an offensive line and a running game, he's, what, what were they, 12-4 and four that year? So he was very yep. good in a healthy death. He can, he can work with that, and you can get results. I mean, they were one, one bad call away from going to the NFC Championship. Let's be honest. You know, I, I think Dez caught it, and that's all I'm going to say about that. I know the interpretation of the rule, I understand, but – I mean, the man made the catch, made a couple moves, and then the ball popped out. But either way, 
They were close. They were close. And I think Jerry wants the Super Bowl as quickly as possible. And Romo gives them the best shot at that. So can they can they make the switch without hurting Dak Prescott's confidence and, and ability, I guess, in the future? Would they stun his growth is what I'm asking. Would they stun his growth uh, if they if they took him out and put Romo back in? Well, I think the only danger is what do you do next year? You can't win a Super Bowl with this situation going into next year. So let's yeah. say they put Romo in, Romo balls, they lose uh, second round of the playoffs. Then what? That's the issue. That's my biggest issue with, with going back to Romo. It's like, man. nah, man, you can't have you. It's it's one thing to have Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers when you don't know about Aaron Rodgers. You think he's really good. He looks good mm-hmm. in practice. We all think it's time. Brett tried to fake retire. Okay, you're out, Brett. It's completely different when you've seen this man play. You've got to move on. It's Steve Montana, Joe. Uh, Steve Young, Joe Montana. At that point, like, oh, whoa, whoa. We've seen that this younger guy. We can be very good with him. I don't care if you might still be better for a second. I've seen enough, and that's what it turns into. So uh, mm-hmm. that would be my only concern. I don't think it stunts that's growth, but I don't think you can go back, go from letting him play NFL games and him being very good at those NFL games to him holding the clipboard for a year and a half and, and think he's going to just magically pick up where he left off. So it's going to be a huge yeah. distraction. You can't go into next year with that distraction, in my opinion. So even if Romo's a starter this year, if he doesn't win a Super Bowl, I think you have to turn it back uh, regardless. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good situation and then it's a bad situation, you know? <laughs> It, I don't think PR-wise the Cowboys have to worry about the same uh, backlash that uh, some 49er fans had when their organization made the switch. And then um, I don't think I don't think anybody's going to necessarily miss Tony Romo. But um, it's it's definitely something your your vets are going to pay attention to. You know when you when you push people out because that locker room is probably still pro Tony Romo. Um, it, it's just I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm the more I think about it, the more I just like you know what I'm kind of glad I'm not in that situation. But if anybody can make it into something that's memorable, it would be Jerry Jones. So uh, stay tuned uh, as the world turns with Jerry Jones, starring Dak Prescott and Tony Romo. Uh, we will see how this ends in a couple weeks. Um, one other thing. Uh, we can talk about NFL wise before we switch to like our last topic. Odell Beckham, you know, they say you live long enough to see yourself. I'm ask this, but will you live long enough to see yourself a hero or see people turn into a villain or some lame thing like that? I know somebody's groaning yeah. somewhere, <laughs> but either way, you know what I'm saying. You <laughs> loved him last year. Now all of a sudden he's the worst person ever. I'm under the impression, and I'll just go ahead and say it. I think that the Giants and their fan base are just being ridiculous. Uh, The New York media is always ridiculous. No matter what sport they're covering, they're always just extra. So for them to to make it such a big deal when he gets mad or when he doesn't get the ball or something like that, like Odell's always been an emotional guy. He's always been passionate. Like he's always been that T.O. style of, of emotion, you know, fucking up, you're not giving them the ball, excuse my French, if you're messing up, you're not giving them the ball, he's going to say something to you, you know? And if you're lined up across from him, he's going to do what he can to get in your head, and he's also going to make plays. Like, that's how he plays. Some people can do that. Can't everybody come in and, and be Marvin Harrison, not say a word, and still put up numbers? So, I think they're just being crazy about it, but the amount of blame that he's taking right now, I mean, they got to realize he's their main weapon. Like, Shepard's good. Victor Cruz is, you never know. He might be one play from falling apart again. Like, Odell's still on his rookie contract, to my knowledge. Like, they should be, I feel like they should be catering to him. He ain't going to play, but four years more, maybe. Like, don't you think, do you feel like they should give him just a tad bit more leeway? You know, a little bit more respect when they talk about him? The or, thing is, like, and, and granted, yeah, so one, ESPN has been ridiculous with it, but that comes with the territory a little bit. I mean, as much hype as he got, in my opinion, he's got to suck that part up. 
because you weren't complaining when they were overhyping you. Granted, like his numbers, um, his numbers reflect some hype. Like he's he literally has the most touchdowns through that amount of games of anyone in history. But should he be more revered and get more coverage and more press than A. B. or Julio or A. J. Green? I mean, they're kind of on the same level, or he's not as good as A. B. So it's like you can't love all the attention, the fact that you're famous now because ESPN hyped you and now you're partying with Drake and doing all this stuff and you have the celebrity lifestyle that you crave. You can't love that and then get mad when the opposite happens. It comes with the territory. You want to be a superstar. You want to be the LeBron of the NFL. Then you got to take the LeBron heat with a little bit better and a little bit more poise um, in the press conference. I have no problem with most of the stuff on the field to be honest. Like, he just plays the wrong position. He plays the game like a safety plays the game, to be honest. Like, he just, Mm -hmm. everything's to the whistle. Everything's real hard. Like, he plays with a chip on his shoulder. And this ain't ain't tennis, man. Like, there ain't nothing wrong with playing a chip on your shoulder football. Like, people's like, oh, he needs to chill out. He needs to relax. It's like, it's football. Like, I'm with him. It's a physical game, man. Like, he's more physical than most receivers. Like, he's the one blocking when the other guy's, like, running a sweep to the other side. So, I do think it's overblown. I think he's handling it poorly in the media. Like, I don't think he needs to say, I'm not having fun playing no more. Oh, you guys are villainizing me. I can't do no wrong. Like, you bumped the ref, my man. You're going to get a flag for that. <laughs> what you, like, what are you saying? Everyone gets a flag for that, you know? If anything, they could have kicked him out last game when he did the late hit out of bounds. So, um, people acting like somehow, though, that he's in his head and he doesn't produce when he's playing like this, that's just foolishness to me. The reason he doesn't have touchdowns is because Elon's been playing like crap. Like, it's not like Odell's playing poorly. Dude's getting open. Dude's getting separation. Dude's doing what he's doing. And they played the Vikings, and the Vikings shut them down like they shut everyone else down. And other than that, he's played really well. So I can't sit here and say, oh, yeah, he's playing poorly. Odell's doing what Odell does, and he's a receiver, and his job's to get open and catch the ball, and he's been doing that this year, and I think everyone just needs to chill let him do him. Like, if he wants to hit a net, you're soft mentally. People are calling him weak mentally, but you're soft mentally if someone over there throwing a temper tantrum is upsetting you. You know, like, let them still in the corner, man. It is what it is. As long as he's balling, I don't see no issues with none of it. And if they want to be stupid and alienate that man and watch him shine somewhere else, then go ahead and do that and be that. Like, the thing is, it's Antonio Brown gets more penalties celebrating than Odell will for sure in season in game. So, like, come on, man. And no one will ever say anything about him or anything of that nature. Like, everyone has their thing. I don't see people calling Talib, uh, keep Talib mentally soft, and he gets more penalties than Odell Beckham for, like, unsportsmanized and, and late hits and all of that stuff. So, like, he's just polarizing, man. At the end of the day, he's polarizing. He acts to be polarizing. Just take the heat. But be a little bit better in the media taking it on the field, though. I got no issues with them, really. Yeah, NFL fans, they kill me with that. And, and by fans, I mean the people who cover the sport and also people who actually cheer for it. It's a violent game by nature. You are thrown into a situation that is extremely hostile. And whether we want to admit it or not, the object of a defender is to stop the offensive player from scoring. And usually the methods of doing that might get this person hurt. So when I see Odell running on the sideline and he's going out of bounds and the dude takes the hit on him and he gets in the guy's face, like, I have no problem with that. Like, he's got to protect himself. He's a target, man. He's a target. And I think the Josh Norman situation uh, did more harm to him because, in all honesty, I I feel like he's always played like that. He's always, like you said, he's yep. always been he's always been fiery like that. Uh, even at LSU, I feel like he he used to get amped like that. So, um, yep. the the whole overblown situation with them has has put him under a microscope, and and he's got to make that adjustment. I don't think he should change up his style of play, though. I I feel like him changing up his style of play might actually get him hurt. He has to protect himself. That second hit that he took out of bounds, had he not hit that uh that corner first, he would have got laid out a free hit because dude was loading up to nail him when he had stopped running and Odell turned his shoulder and and jumped into him. So it's, it's annoying uh, that people feel like there's a, 
a middle ground to the NFL. It's not. It's a nasty, dirty, hostile sport. And you can have nice guys, but those nice guys don't normally play the positions that can get them hurt, unless you're talking about Troy Palomalu, and he would baptize you and then pray for you. Like, he wasn't nice when he was coming to hit you. He was nice after he realized what he'd done, you know, help you up and stuff like that. Hans Ward. Hans Ward was smiling your face, and I've met him personally. He seems like one of the nicest people off the field, but on the field, that no. crackback. Oof. Yeah, no. He broke a man's jaw. No. So, I think people just need to get over it, man. Like, I don't want to say America, but people are soft. NFL sports fans in general, they've gotten soft, man. Like, you look at you look at stuff uh, from back in the day. I looked at – you don't even have to go that far. I looked at John Lynch. John Lynch highlights, man. You know how much money he would have made in the NFL today if he hit people like that? He would have been yep. broke. He would have been broke. Odell Beckham is no different to me than a Michael Irvin. He was fiery, yo. He he had emotions. Like you're you're playing in the league. You're the guy. You're a receiver, and it's just it's ridiculous. And I'm glad you pointed out the AB thing because he does probably get more uh, penalty yards than um, Odell. But I'm not gonna lie. Seeing him kick people in the face and humping goalposts is actually funnier than Odell. Oh no, I'm with it. I'm with it. I, like you know, his you know, I'm not criticizing and, AB either. I'm with yeah. it, and his teammates don't say nothing about it because he gonna. Tomlin don't say nothing. Man, the Roonies, the Roonies are like one of the most tight wide by the book owners in the league, I, and they allow that. They don't even get mad. I don't That's understand. My, the thing that most upsets me. Is I, I felt like Eli was throwing him under the bus, and, and Eli, man, like, play better, or none of this would be an issue. Y'all would be 3-1 yeah. and one right now if you ain't suck, you know, and none of this issue yeah. heat would be on Odell. So, like, you got to chill, man. Like, I like Eli a lot, but, like, you got to play better too, man. Like, it ain't all on Odell. Like, you can't just be, be like, just giving him that. Like, I think you got to play better. You got to play much better. Did Thor just throw some, get somebody out on a steal? Yeah. Nah, no way. I don't even think I don't that's think possible. He was out either, but like, I, I hope so. I, I don't, don't want to see the Giants win. Me too. But uh, yeah, man, I think it's <laughs> overblown at the end of the day. And and this is my biggest issue with a lot of stuff in the NFL, like how sanctimonious people get. Like you are literally watching modern day gladiators. Like without question, you're watching modern day gladiators. You are literally asking people to take years off their life to entertain you, and you're sitting here talking about a dude that's just hitting people a little bit harder than you like or like, yeah, he's dirty, but like the whole sport's dirty. You're asking people to kill themselves for your viewing pleasure. It's all dirty, man. It's life or death. So uh, people just got to chill. You're like you said, they're soft. Yeah. It's, it's getting ridiculous now. Like it, it reminds me of uh, when we were watching um, basketball last year, all year long, man, this league soft, man, these kids soft. Man, uh, back in my day, and then those when the playoffs start, people getting laid out. And it's like, hey, that's a foul. Like, you can't switch it up, man. Look, know what you want. You either want it to be this way or you don't. You know, you either want Odell to to play with some emotion and and be fiery or you don't. Because when he stops, when he stops, and I hope it doesn't happen, but it, he ends up getting nailed because he's he's not protecting himself and and playing with that passion or. Well, the Giants look like they're lethargic because they don't have anybody jumping on their, their butts when they're messing up, then don't – I hope they don't switch it up and ask, where's Odell, you know? But ultimately, like like I pointed out earlier, I think, you know, they, they better consider how they're treating their star receiver and whether or not they want to keep a talent like that. And, and if they don't, I know plenty of teams, 31 other teams, that would gladly take that problem off their hands, so – um, we're at the nine o'clock hour. Uh, I said I was going to run it for an hour. Um, it was a good show. I'm off all next week, so I'll probably run another one next week. Um, you got any, uh, final thoughts? Um, cause they really just called that man out and he was definitely safe. I don't understand. Well, I think, he, I think he kicked his leg. You know, it's one of the BS, like he didn't stay on the bag. He kicked his leg uh, on his last minute and he kept the tag on some BS. Uh, see, his leg, I, I, now he's not touching it. 
I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. You know what? If it leads to the Giants losing, I'm not going to get mad. Because you know what? That's, that's yeah, yeah. payback I, for Brooks Conrad. I'm, I'm with it too, man. But like, it's like, like it, I hate when replay has unintended consequences. Like, that's not yeah. what it's for, man. That's not what it's for, man. Yeah. Um, closing, closing arguments is my Blue Jays got these Rangers and we going to see. <laughs> we going to see. Oh, man. I might, I might, I might add that to the uh, You Got a Minute fam uh, right up I do this, this week. Yeah. Add a, add a We Going to See, we gonna see uh, section. I'm going to have to write that down. Um, appreciate you calling in, man. Um, my final, is, my final thoughts is just sports fans, like, I, I love sports. I want I want this to be a career for me, whether it's just talking or writing about it, et cetera, et cetera. But, man, there is nothing more draining than sports fans, and especially NFL fans. So all the NFL fans listening out there, just want to let you know you're a loser. I'm sorry. We're all losers. Um, the way we follow the, the, the league, the way we do – the way people act after games and, and the excuses we make for, for some of the stuff that these idiots do in the league. Um, I've, I've been emotional all week trying to figure out whether or not I'm really a loser. And then I found myself uh, looking at film and not getting paid for it. And I was like, yep, I'm a loser. So we're all in this together. We're all losers. So if you're listening, I would apologize, but I'm just like you. Just like you. I'll <laughs> uh, see you guys next week. Um, Corey, thanks for calling, and we're gonna end on um, with another old school song. So if you like the song, you can listen to it on the way out. Don't sweat the technique. Sweat the technique. Let's face the hit and check the file. Let's see who fits the dot next to style. I flip the script so it can't get filed. At least not now, it'll take a while. I change the pace to complete the beat. I drop the bass to MCs get weak. But every road they trace is a scar they keep. Cause when I speak, they freak to sweat the technique. I made my debut in 86 with a melody in a president's mix. And now I stay on target and refuse the mess. And I still make hits and beats. Parties, clubs, and cars and jeeps. My underground sound vibrates the street. MCs want a beat and I play for keeps. When they sweat the technique. Don't sweat the technique. Know how many bombs have I ripped and wrecked? What research has never found all the pieces yet? Scientists try to solve the context. Philosophers are wondering what's next. Pieces took the lab to observe them. They couldn't absorb them. They didn't observe them. My ideas are only for the audience ears. My opponents it might take years. Pencils, pens, and scores. Letters put together from a key to cause. I'm also a sculpture. Born with structure. Because of my culture, I'm a perfect instructor. Style out of feet full of technology complete. Lights and new heights after I get deep. You don't have to speak, just see. And peep the technique. But don't sweat the technique. Get deep as a beat, thanks to me. Both of the seats never weak, obsolete. They never grow old techniques. It's all antique, better than something brand new. Cause it's original in the wild. Style I have much more value. Classical, too intelligent to be radical. Masterful, never irrelevant, mathematical. Here's some souvenirs souvenirs for all the years. The force, the source, the thoughts, and ideas. It's cool when you freak to the beat. Well, don't sweat the technique. Don't sweat the technique. Don't sweat the technique.